0: And in fact, when you go to get business in those meetings, in those boardrooms, not once, not once have I ever heard anybody ask anyone how qualified they are, except that the most important thing that gets looked at is the solution that you are bringing and how good the solution is. And if the solution is good, nobody questions that really. And everyone else comes second. And even if you're not so worthy all of those elements I promise you business will not it will not be denied
1: okay so today we're going to talk to my friend Neva
2: yeah <laughs> well she's my friend too I well think. yeah
1: i mean, I mean <laughs> i'm saying that and i'm looking at you but i'm like you know i'm gonna speak for myself sure so my friend Neo. so actually today i was thinking about it i'm like you and i have known each other for is it wait so since so 2002 was when i met you so that's like almost 17 years yeah wow so that's a long time of friendship yay so um so we continue on the topic of defying the fear of getting started and Neva was one of the first people that we thought of, thought of when we thought, how can we continue to expand this, but in a very practical way and get people who we know have defied the fear of getting started. All right. So now, we want you to just go ahead and just tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Right. And then, you know, after you do that, you can kind of like get into the topic of what it is that you defied and what it is that you started.
0: Mm, okay. All right, so, um, you know, talking from the context that you've given me, which was around entrepreneurship, um, and just bearing all of that in mind, I run um, an investments company, which has really spun off from investments advisory to now acquiring assets, principal um, investments, meaning acquiring equity investments that are privately owned. Um, okay. A lifelong dream of mine from, I mean, as early as 2007, when I could define and when I had the vocabulary of what it is that I wanted to do, because I think even before 2007, I had always wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I didn't know. Yes. Practically what that looked like. <clears throat> For... Um, since 2007, since I could define what that was, I knew that I wanted to run an investment holding company, which mm-hmm. then buys equity stakes in other companies. And post buying the the, the the equity, you take the company, you own it, you grow it, and you mm-hmm. sell it um, at the right time. Um, and I've always thought that I'd do that in my 40s. I think... Um, you know, it, it made more sense to, to to do that in my 40s because I just looked at my circumstances and I thought I don't have the right amount of experience. I don't know enough people because you have to be well-connected in this space. Mm-hmm. You're going to off other people's companies and you have to know who the owners are and know, you know, who the wealthy people that own quality companies are in order for you to get started. Um, and also as, you know, the nature of the industry as well there's a certain type of people that I expected to to start those kind of companies. And I just looked at myself and I thought, wow, I don't qualify and I need at least 15 to 20 years to be able to start um, um, an investment holding type of a a business model. Mm -hmm. So when I started three years ago, I started off with, with advisory and it has always been a means to an end to get into an investment holding um, type model. Um, like I said, I was thinking of my forties um, and yet it came, I think, what, five years early because last year I got an opportunity to then spin off the advisory company into investment holdings in the form of a, uh, a lady who's really a veteran in the investment space that approached me with the idea and the concept and it's a person that I really respect in terms of her personal values mm-hmm. and in terms of her hunger and, and level of, 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 vision, really, you know, a person who, who's a go-getter um, and doesn't really limit herself in, in, in any way. So she approached sure. me. She was more experienced than I was. And she said, you know, she's, she had started two years prior um, approaching me and she had assets already, but she wanted to then continue looking at other sectors over and beyond telecommunications, which is mainly the sector that she was looking at. And, you know, I just thought, okay, I mean, one of the, 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 the limitations that was really stopping me starting this thing was also finding a right partner. Um, it's quite important to, to start it off as a team, as opposed to one man, it just adds more credibility to, to the dream, to the vision and to the plan. And I, for me, that was my cue then to take up the opportunity. Um, so that's, you know, the one thing that I have been afraid to start for the longest of time, having given myself reason why I shouldn't start. And, and, and yeah, I started that last year and I s- sort of s- spun off what I was doing for the past three years into what it is that I'm doing. i'm I'm doing now
1: okay so now just to cut in you know before you 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 continue so i was going to say that one of the things that i've known about you since we've been friends is your desire to be an entrepreneur i think that's always like lived inside of you you know despite the fact that you at the time were not necessarily completely clear as to what exactly you wanted to do but i know that you've always wanted to be an entrepreneur Right. So I'd say let's take a step back. So even before the, the your company spinning into a, an equity investment um, kind of company, how was it? Because part of the background is like most of us, you started off working for someone. And that is normally one of the biggest and much, uh, you know, that, that's like one of the scariest things to do. Right. To switch from getting, quote unquote, a secure income working for someone, even though you're miserable, right? Because sometimes we'll trade trade security, you know, for for misery, right? So I think just to share with everybody who's listening, because I think a lot of us could relate to the fact that most of us work for someone. So how did you overcome and come to the place where you said, you know what, Uh, I'm not doing, I'm not going to work for someone. I I know there's some level of security. I'm actually going to go off finally and I'm going to do this this entrepreneur thing uh, entrepreneurship thing for myself. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think, you know, um, as you said, it's something that you had spotted in me for some time. So it's something that I had been pondering on um, and as a result, um, also planning on, you know, practically um, Mm -hmm. uh, sort of gauging for myself what the right time will be. And obviously, practically the right time had to then you know, sort of be um, based on if I leave this comfort zone of, you know, a consistent salary um, and I leave it off, what does that mean about the responsibilities that I had?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I had to practically start thinking of that and practically start making plans of stopping um, to depend on a salary so that I can then... Sort of not depend on a salary anymore, and mm-hmm. so it you know it starts in the mind as well that mental preparation, right, mm-hmm. and not about money, but also about you know just I, th- I think an element of of our emotions, just self worthiness, just how much attached am I to mm-hmm. the identity and the security, um, and and sort of the clicks of you know belonging to corporate South Africa it comes with some sort of a reputation, right? Mm-hmm. Where, you know, obviously you, you, you are more sensible. You are seen as more sensible if you opt to <coughs> sort of depend on a salary as opposed to jump off and sort of start something on your own where there's so much uncertainty and there's so many moving parts. Mm-hmm. Um, so just that self-talk around identity as well. You know, what defines me? And what doesn't define me? What does success look like to me? Mm-hmm. And what does success look like? I mean, it was a journey. And I like that, that you're saying, you know, you had spotted it a long time ago. For me, I could only articulate it in 2007. Mm-hmm. And even having had articulated in 2007, I only really jumped ship in 2017. So it was 10 years of thinking, mm. right, of yeah. planning of sort of shedding off some of these titles that we assume when we're in the corporate world so that I could feel lighter and, 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 and jump off um, on, onto a new identity. And practically, I mm. for me was also to just streamline my expenses, um, you know, where before I would be paying for a car, mm-hmm. you know, opted in, 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 in you know, the, one of the latest purchases of a car that I had to make I knew that it had to be cash, so that then I don't pay monthly and owe anybody monthly. Right. Mm. You know, you know, discarded off a property that I owned, mm. which I had pay bond month, a bond, a bond a payment every month. So I had to discard that off because for me, the vision was once I jump off, I have to have a certain minimum um, sort of obligations monetarily yeah. that I that are attached to me that I can then manage every month so as to give myself the freedom mm. you know, and buy myself the time because another thing that you don 't know after you 've sort of decided to leave the comfort of a salary is you don 't know just how long it <coughs> takes that you would <laughs> obtain your first customer right
1: mm-hmm.
0: so it was financially it was you know those practical decisions that I had to, to make, and then obviously mentally and emotionally detaching from the old definitions of what success mm. looks like, which is, you know, a good title, a good job with a big car and a big house. Yeah. I had to all of that go in an exchange of having to invest in a dream for a very long period of time without all of those things, without the title, without the money, without the big car,
1: mm. knowing
0: towards towards something much more impactful, meaningful and significant that will only bear fruit even after five years. Yeah. But it would be significant to me so it was just you know that that whole mental and financial streamlining and you know an exchange of identity from from the old one to the new one.
2: Yeah, and I think one of the things that I'm I'm appreciating about listening to you um, is the fact that you know it's it's almost as if we don't really know that identity of of who we are until we step into it. But but one of the things that I'm I'm hearing as I'm listening to you is that. Is that you kind of formed your life in a way to affirm that identity? You know, I'm not mm-hmm. sure exactly what the business will look like. I'm not sure exactly what the entrepreneurial effort will be, but I understand I have to I have to shave off expenses here, and I have to live life a certain way and, and carry a certain mentality about things mm. in a way that already affirms who I will be. And I guess it it it, mm, it kind of brings up the issue that it's not so much about. It's not so much about um, uh, the thing that we're doing. Uh, it's about the people that we become that can handle the thing mm-hmm. that we're doing. You and know? the
1: journey to get to that. Right. So that's right. part of what I love, now as well. That So one, I think you were strategic. Because, you know, sometimes you say defying fear or defying things. And sometimes it can be this, oh, I'm just going to jump off a cliff kind of, mm-hmm. you know, mentality. But I think in how you are. Mapping this out, there's a sense of a journey that yes, the monster is huge in the beginning, but how we're going to overcome the mountain is that we're going to chip at it small, you know, one rock at a time. So I feel like what you've stated is that sense of you chipping at this thing, which is uncertainty, right? Because you are about to do something that's pretty massive and that has implications, but how you began to face up to that thing is you began to chip at it one decision at a time, right? And it's amazing because those decisions in and and of themselves could really seem almost kind of like insignificant. But I think when you put them together, you realize that, well, the fear was starting to fall off long before we realized because you made very, very strategic decisions. And one of the things that I want to just point out was the last job that you worked at before you jumped ship. I remember that even that was a very strategic thing where you had job offers coming but because you wanted to gain a certain kind of experience, you pushed away the offers, right? Um, and because, again, in South Africa, given our history, for those who don't know, being a black woman, um, you, you know, you you attract a lot of attention, you know, especially in like the financial space where different companies will vie for you to come work for them. But I know how even then there was like a lot of temptation to go do this and do that. But you were very mindful of the goal and you said, no, I'm not going to take this job. I'm going to wait. And I know you had to kind of like wait a couple of months until you found the job that you felt. Okay. I think instead of this job, it's going to help me to cement the, this place, like cement my experience so that I can eventually get to the place that I want to get to. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. I think and it's exactly what um, Eddie said, you know, it was about becoming and, and embracing this identity that I believed in that, you know, even my actions and my decisions, as you, you know, are pointing out King, had to then align, um, with, with, with this conviction that I had about, about myself. Mm. It's it, I suppose being accountable to the vision, right? Yeah. So not just vision in a dream. And yet then the next moment or the next decision is contra to the vision or, or, or the dream. So, the decisions had to follow that conviction, that desire, mm-hmm. and that dream. Hence, then the turning away and the turning off of, of offers that were very attractive, but they were taking me in in an opposite direction <laughs> to what I wanted to, to to be. So, so, so you know, you've got to back your vision up with minute mm-hmm. t- and big decisions. Mm-hmm. It's something yeah. that you do every single day, um, you know, in big ways and in small ways, where you back up. What, where you're going with, with your execution every single day, yeah. um, takes a level of, of, of faith in what you want to do and a level of conviction and a belief, you know, of, of you know, this end picture that you have that you, you're painting, and an understanding that it takes time and it's a journey, and that throughout that process,
1: you need to act and take certain decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I like that. I like that. So I think for the other thing for me is that to arrive, you know, the place where you okay. It is I, apparently I'm asking too many questions and the. <laughs> no, anyways you want me to move to the next question. I have to run a
2: tight <laughs> ship here. We might be here for a couple hours if I don't, so. a-
1: and it's fine. We could just it just be episode one, two, three, <laughs> War, but <no>. five, six. <laughs> ah. <laughs> I think the next question, though, is Mm -hmm. the you know, after three years uh, of doing, of, you know, building yourself and building your business, what has the evolution process been for you? Right. So you'd have started at a certain point. There would have been a set of fears. Right. But, you know, the thing that I think for all of us who have started something at whatever level is that once you get in certain things, you realize that, oh, wait, that's not as bad as I expected. Right. But then other changes come along. So there's always, I find, a need to defy, you know, other fears and to defy right, other misconceptions. Right. So can you just tell us a little bit about what your evolution process has looked like and what are some of the lessons that you have learned and are continuing to learn? Yeah.
0: I think um, a two-pronged answer to, to, to that. Um, and and I'll, I'll start off with, I'll, I'll just put in in there that, one of the things that I definitely had to defy was the approval of man or society and the limitation that I can't influence my environment.
1: Mm, I, you
0: have to, to talk about that. put that in the center <laughs> and defy that, right?
2: Uh-huh.
0: You know, that yeah. I can intentionally create the job or the career that I want and that I'm not at the mercy of any corporate system. I'm not at the mercy of anything or anyone. So that's, you know, one thing that I had to defy. And then in terms of the evolution process or, or the growth process and some of the lessons, I think now that I've been in it for at least three years, um, you know, we've then defied starting, we've started, mm-hmm. you've, you've got on your first um, client, you, you know, you're beginning to make some money to bill uh, and you've got real expenses and this thing is running. Um, for me, what I'm seeing as the lesson that I'm facing right now, and I'm learning about, is really around leadership, right? Okay. Uh, and and I suppose it becomes a central theme because now you're no longer on your own. You've got a business partner, and you're embracing bringing other people in, uh, and you know, as employees. Although, I, you know, I, I prefer the, the the word partner as opposed to employees.
2: Mm-hmm. You. Know,
0: Leadership is N. Is, is um, I think most of us are programmed, I suppose, from having come from from a home and a community and a country that you automatically have leaders and that when leaders say this, you you, you just need to, to follow, right? Mm. Um, and leaders can also, in reverse, sort of abuse that kind of a relationship. But mm-hmm. I'm and I think it's brought about by the season that we're in in the world globally, you know, millennials and just um, people really reflecting about who they are and what it is that they desire, want and how it is that they want to live. Because I think people are becoming more perceptive um, and, and, and emotionally, you know, intelligent around what it is that they do with their time. So I, I'm, I'm learning now that leadership is end and that you are not a leader as a result of a title. But that mm-hmm. you there is a result of the accountability you assume, right? And that I have to be worthy to be followed, right? Mm-hmm. And that competency does not, you know, equal leadership competency, um, and that for as long as people deliver results, I'm going to have to influence people, right? Mm-hmm. But from a ethical place, not by manipulating them, not by threatening them, not by playing games or playing politics, but genuinely really influence people mm-hmm. um, and also create an environment <laughs> that is worthy of people leaving whatever it is that they're doing in their homes and coming into this environment of work. Yeah. So just building that culture from a very intentional and conscious place. Um, so I'm, I'm just finding that the lessons that I'm having to learn now around leadership and and, 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 and they've really twisted or turned upside down my former notion of, of leadership and that you're a leader because of a title and you say this and people follow. And, and, and so the evolution has, you know, from that foundational phase of, okay, now we are starting to now, okay, now how do we lead mm-hmm. um, and how do we lead in, a, in, in an effective way that gets results and yet still affords human dignity in the environment that we operate.
2: Mm-hmm. Yo, I think, I think we're ready for the book. Yeah. <laughs> on how to lead in modern. Uh, no, but, you know, I got to say that, you know, when when people think of starting, they tend to skip all the way over to the success. Right. And the success mm-hmm. of 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 starting is is what well, I've accomplished. And because I've accomplished, I'm now a leader in my field, right? Um, Or I have the money that I want, or I have the time that I want resources. But I I think just capturing one key thing that you're saying here, you, you, you walk into it, but you realize that, yes, it is an honor. It is an opportunity, but with that comes responsibility with that comes weight, right? So with leadership, I now have to learn how to lead Mm. with more money. I now have to learn how to spend. I have to learn how to save, how to invest with more time. I now le- need to learn how to be strategic so mm-hmm. so you realize that success in itself isn't this this big, beautiful, airy fairy thing that yes, it does come with beautiful moments and 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 rewards, uh, but with the rewards, there is this counterbalance of responsibility mm-hmm. um that now we have to grow in and we have to learn into as well, so yeah, I yeah. really appreciate that.
1: So actually, so you know, the next question was saying, "What are some of the greatest lessons you've learned?" But I actually want to go back to your first point because you spoke about uh, the, you know, having to deal with the need to be validated by people. I think a lot of us can relate to that, right? Uh, and in fact, we did deal with this like in, in a couple of um, episodes back, where we specifically spoke about how negative opinions like our ability to handle that or not handle that can be the thing that hampers our ability to move forward. So can you just like go back into that and just share with us your process of, you know, being on one end of maybe needing validation and growing out of that place of needing validation and being able to be affirmed without anybody having to say, oh, hey, a great job. Can you Can you share that with us? Yeah.
0: <coughs> so I think...
1: I think I I came to a
0: point where, you know, you you work yourself to the bone, 12-hour days, weekends involved, you go over and beyond, and it's still not good enough, right? Hmm. You, you know, the, the money cannot match up the work that you do, the praise, the rewards cannot really, you know, match up what it is that you've put in. And then realizing that, nothing will really ever be good enough and that in the first place i shouldn't be seeking that validation from from other human beings and perhaps mm-hmm. they in their own ways have um in the best way that they think that they can that that they can and i'm feeling you know i'm feeling a void still right so that even if they did give that validation it will still never ever satisfy mm. and i think also just there were, there were certain specific incidences that happened as well that really showed me that when it comes to entrepreneurship, you validate yourself. You tell yourself that you want to go there to get that thing and as a result, get this reward or get this monetary payment. One of, 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 of the, the, the events was as I was working at CNBC Africa, I don't know if you remember that I mm-hmm. sort of diverged in the world of media. Yeah, um, The company was... It was a family-owned business, and as a family-owned business, this, this this couple had obviously children that went off to university, and you know then finished their degrees, and you know we obviously are employed in the company. We all have degrees, you know, honors, masters, some people, and the the CEO just off the back of the son getting having graduated with a I think a business degree or so with no work experience. experience at all. Hmm. The son was appointed as a director of business development or something oh. like that, right? And as an employee, you can't oh, wow. that Joe mm-hmm. has made a decision, the son is is employed, he works there and he's given all the support. The son works as the you know business development manager or, or head or you know and so forth. And the son delivers right wow. uh-huh. so that was one and then, obviously, then being appointed and running with that um, responsibility and doing doing quite well, mm. uh, it it really opened my eyes. And then the second incident was incident was the last company that I worked at. Um, we used to subcontract, or rather, partner with other businesses to deliver a certain service. And I remember one of our business partners was a company one man show who actually didn't have. That much of a, of an experience that you would ever, you know, expect for somebody who was taking on that kind of a, of a business project or the, the, just the, the size of the project to take on. And I remember some of our of my colleagues in the company used to mock him to say, does he really know what he's doing? He's a one minute show. Does he even have somebody answering the phone for him on the other side, you know, while he's busy at work? Does he have a support, you know, base and, and, and so forth? So forth, but he was going for this big contract with us, an established company with a staff of at least five people. Mm-hmm. And our CEO is actually not quite phased by all those questions or all of that because I think she put herself in, in that guy's shoes and thought, well, that's where I started. And yeah. and I think entrepreneurs know that it doesn't take you having a strong men team for you to start. It doesn't take you having many qualifications to start. It takes you seeing a problem and wanting to solve that problem with your whole heart and believing that you can solve that problem. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's enough. And in fact, when you go to get business in those meetings, in those boardrooms, not once, not once have I ever heard anybody ask anyone how qualified they are, except that the most important thing that gets looked at is the solution that you are bringing. And how good the solution is. And if the solution is good, nobody questions that really. Yeah. And everything else comes second. And even if you're not so worthy, of all of those elements, I promise you, business will not, it will not be um denied uh for you to to, to take up. So I think for me it was those reflection moments mm-hmm. and, um, and and taking those in and learning from them to say. If I want something, really, there's no barrier. There's no limitation. Mm The barriers and the limitations that exist are are in my mind and in the minds of those that believe that there are limitations Mm -hmm. for my colleagues that question the guy that we used to partner with, who at the end of the day would then get contracts alongside our company. Mm -hmm. And also just observing that the entrepreneurs themselves don't question those people. For instance, the CEO at CNBC Africa didn't really question the sun. And the CEO at the company that I was working at didn't question the partner that we were about to have. It's actually mainly the followers that question those things. They don't know what it takes mm-hmm. because they know that they had to depend on all those things for them to feel worthy or to feel qualified. Mm-hmm. And they're not yet exposed to this different mindset that exists and it's out there. And just because you don't know of that mindset, or or that manner of approaching um, challenges Mm. doesn't, it doesn't exist. and doesn't mean that other people are using it for for themselves to get ahead. And and, and I think, you know, one of my statements then to end off is, is exactly that, that entrepreneurship is, is a mindset altogether that one has to learn and adopt and grow into that. We don't get taught in schools. We don't get taught in university. And it's a way of thinking. And it's a way of thinking about oneself, not even about the work, but oneself and about the world. Mm.
2: Yes. Right. So, again, I'm listening and (coughs) it's affirming a a key statement that I I genuinely believe in, which is this issue of if you if you walk into a boardroom of CEOs and, and there's a key realization that that no one knows what they're doing, really. You know, everybody, nobody can predict (laughs) the next time something's going to get a hit or, you know, or really people have have experience. Sure. People have education. They have things that they can attest to to say, hey, this is what empowers me to know what to do next. But but regardless, at the end of the day, everybody else is just jumping in there. Just just basically out of a sense of passion, conviction, responsibility, Mm. you know, and I think that's what it takes to get something started. And that's the same energy that it takes to continue to build and grow. It's this thing that says, yeah, I may not know what I'm doing or what's coming next, but I'm determined to act. I'm determined to be here, right. To respond. So, yeah, I mean, that, that was a really, really great um, perspective on, Taking out the the need to be affirmed mm. by others, yeah. So let's go to the last question then.
1: Yeah. So all right. So to to end it off, um, before Eddie cuts us off
2: oh and my tells goodness. us we talk too much, the truth is um, coming.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the question is: Knowing what you know now, what would you say to the once afraid version of yourself? So what would you say to the narrow?
2: Back in 2007.
1: Yeah, back in 2007, knowing what you know now.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: I I would say that I I don't need anything else to hold on to to feel worthy for me to start except that desire and that sustained desire. The fact that I've had that desire for long, the fact that I've had the desire when we met in 2002, 2007, and only to start in 2017, Sustained desire validates the dream, and that I don't have to have everything figured out. I must just know that all that is required to make the desire come to pass will align at the right time. And I have seen this over and over again to know that
1: it is true.
2: Mm -hmm. Cool. All right. Well, now we really, really appreciate this time. Hey,
1: yeah, this was good. Yeah, awesome. Uh, I guys, do anticipate yeah. that there's going to be a lot of questions that will spin off from sure. some of the powerful <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> revelu- <laughs> revelu- revelu- revelations that have come up. Mm-hmm. Um So yeah, so it, I mean, it will definitely be be great because I think as you were talking, there's like many other topics that came mm-hmm. into my mind. That um, sprung up, yeah. yeah. That sprung up because mm-hmm. I guess you know this because these things are multidimensional. It's never just the one sentence mm. solution to anything, you know, it's very multidimensional. So I had great we had great fun talking to you. And yeah. thank you so much. Um it's thank what ten, 10 PM in you South you Africa. So right. Yeah. Thank you so much guys for having me. You're doing great work.
0: I'm in awe. Keep it up and keep going. Keep going. Never stop. Never thank stop.
2: You. Thanks, Noah. Hey, and now if anybody wants to look up some of the work that you're doing, um how can they reach out to you or just kind of follow what's what's happening in in your world?
1: Okay.
0: So we've got a our website. Um our company name is Mamor Capital. That's M A M O R. So it's com. That's where you can find us online.
2: Very cool. All right. All right. All right. Well, you could have have a well, you could have a you have a good rest of your day. <laughs> I'm gonna edit that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks uh, now. Thank you guys. Thank you.
1: Right. Good night. All right, good night.